Hey, happy holidays, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The End with Adam. I'm here recording for you guys uh, today, Tuesday, uh, November 23rd. We're here in an undisclosed location somewhere outside of Detroit, Michigan. And I wanted to take this episode to really just do something uh, out of the ordinary, which is kind of keep things positive the whole way out. I'm going to try to do a whole episode that's just dedicated to positive shit um, and really making this episode something pleasant to listen to during this time. You know, when you guys are going to be seeing your families, when you're going to be taking a load off, getting, you know, some time off of work, really just relaxing. I want to reflect that vibe in this episode. So I'm going to be going, going over some funny stuff. I'm going to be telling some fun stories. Uh, and I'm just going to make this whole thing uh, something that uh, you can find peace in and find some level of relaxation in. Uh, I know some of my other episodes up until this point have been a little bit intense, especially those first two. Uh, we'll do episodes like that from time to time, but I think this one particularly, let's just, let's keep it easy, let's keep it fun, you know, so with that, let's, let's jump right in. Alright, beginning with advice and commentary on some anonymous posts that I've gathered off the internet. Uh, this first one's very simple, and um, I wanted to choose a simple one because I wanted to riff on it as broadly as I could. So, here it is. It's uh, titled Dream Advice, and it says, Anybody have any advice on manifesting thoughts as dreams? Thanks. And then, uh, actually, someone commented and said elaborate a little more. But I don't think he needs to elaborate. I think I got the picture of what he's asking. He wants to be able to think of things during the day that he can then dream about. But what he's really asking for is him being able to have control And I sometimes think about what I would do, you know, what would my thoughts be during the day so that I could manifest great dreams or dreams that I enjoyed. And the obvious things come to mind, right? You know, you know, you know what at least I think most people who are like me, young guys, you know, in their 20s who've done their fair share of partying, gone around the world, done some fun stuff. You know, maybe you want to relive those moments. Maybe you want to, you know, kind of alter and change those moments so that they're a little bit more enhanced. Maybe you, you know, want to create a moment based off of those moments and live in those dreams. You know, um, I think about that. I think about that's, that's probably how I would use it. But then I wonder, you know, what's what's the benefit? 
that could come from that? You know, what could people do? Could could that eliminate the need for therapy altogether? If you could think all day about that thing you wanted to say to your father, or to your mother, or to someone that, you know, you love and, and it has impacted you throughout your life, and you could literally have a recurring dream where you come to a catharsis with them, you know, each time and, and you guys embrace each other and forgive each other. Uh, I mean, what wonders that would do, right? I don't know why, man, if if I don't stop hearing about AI and all this other nonsense, I'm trying not to curse because I want this episode to, like I said, be positive. Um, if I don't stop hearing about metaverses and, and, and tech, technology, digital spaces, and I'm not hearing about augmented dreamscapes, I, I don't want to hear about it, bro. Like, if I had any money to invest, I would invest in trying to understand dreams and then controlling them. Because if we could create our own worlds that we could then enact healing within or at least enact some kind of controlled specific uh positive experience for ourselves each night when we go to sleep if we could do that we would that'd be it that'd be a wrap we'd be a perfect society so i don't know why elon musk ain't talking about that i don't know why any of these why bill gates ain't talking about that you know we have so many incredibly smart people especially in the uh, neuroscience field um, and from what I understand they don't really quite you know quite understand the nature of dreams entirely I mean they have theories but they don't really get where dreams come from they understand how they work and why we dream but the actual contents content matter there rather um, rather excuse me um, they, I think there's a lot of debate on where that comes from. So I am pushing forward this year for all of us to petition for dream augmentate or, or uh, virtual dream augmentation uh, or dream, uh, you know, creation and uh, management, you know, software. Like if I can implant that, if I can have some system that records my brain waves and thought patterns and then can take those brain waves and thought patterns and somehow digitally render them into images and sounds and then if i can capture that then i'm a close step or two uh, i'm a step closer to manip being able to manipulate it we might be 20 30 years down the road from that technology but who knows we might be five years we might be 18 months away from that technology i don't know they're not going to tell us until they can monetize it. So, you know, I, I like to keep that door open. That's something that I, I would be, I mean, I'm telling you, that is the solution for so much. Not that we should live in dreams, but to be able to have experiences as real as life itself that give you the things that in real life you may, you know, not get the opportunity to do or not get the opportunity to do again can be a huge therapeutic tool and i think it, it 
could be something that could be regulated. You know, you might get dream junkies. That's a good concept for somebody that wants to write a novel, um, make a, a story about, you know, people that are junkies to the, to the, you know, technology and all they want to do is live in dreams. I'm pretty sure this is a fucking Black Mirror episode. I swear to God, I think I just described in this past five minutes a goddamn Black Mirror episode. But you know what? You know what, guys? It came from a, a, a real... Uh, honest place and sometimes you know ideas uh they're similar there's nothing we can do to to change that you know uh, i i believe i believe it was carl Jung. let me try to be smart right now i believe it was carl Jung who talked about the collective unconscious and uh, as a creative it's something that i always um think about i ruminate on the idea that um you know and he he didn't say this, but what I got out of what Carl Jung has, was talking about with collective unconscious, um, I believe that ideas are not actually uh, generated inside of our brains. I think they are these sort of things that our brains can absorb and then decode, but they kind of exist outside of us. And anybody can kind of grab an idea out of that kind of nebulae of of whatever ideas are made out of and create out of their out of their mind kind of decode that rubik's cube and come up with an idea um that somebody else who you know maybe was uh uh, uh was subjected to similar stimuli would then also be able to come up with as well so that's why like i i don't at least think that when you come up with a similar idea as somebody else and you were never prompted that that person had that same idea that maybe that's a sign that we're tapping into a frequency to get our ideas and that anybody can under the right circumstances and that those two people just happen to be at that right circumstance to get that same idea or rather come to that same conclusion about whatever thing they were whatever problem they were trying to solve or whatever thing led them to think in that way um but I digress. Um, I think this post for me was, it was so short and it, it definitely could have been elaborated on more, but I liked how simple it was because he left you with so little that you kind of had to fill in the blanks yourself and make it your own question. And that's kind of what I just did just now. And um, I hope uh, you guys could kind of use that as some mental chewing gum. Like, what would you spend your dreams on if you could control them? And uh, how beneficial or not beneficial would that be to you? Uh, and um, if there was some way that, you know, it was regulated where you could only do it a few times a month, like, how would you prep? You know, how would you get ready so that you could have the, the best experience for yourself? You know, what kind of thought patterns would you put in your mind all day so that you could make sure that you had the, that right, correct dream that you wanted? And what would that take? What would that process look like? You know, it's so, it's, you know, so sci-fi that, um, you know, there's a million different avenues we could go down with that one. Uh, so uh, I want to move on here. So give me uh, give me a, qu- a quick second here, guys. Oh, this one, this one is good. This one actually, um, I'm, I'm really excited to share with y'all because it's, uh, it's, it's something that I think about all the time. And, uh, I know a lot of people are constantly, you know, trying to figure out the best way to solve the problem that this, uh, poster is sort of positing here. That's not really a problem. It's more just sort of, a, I guess, battle of preferences. 
um, but I'm gonna read it to you here just to get started. So it's called Morning Beverage Rituals. It says, post your morning caffeine drink slash rituals uh, slash mug pick. And then there's of course a picture of a mug that's like, you know, silly. And then it says uh, their ritual is uh, roiling boil, three bags, I guess three bags of tea, red rose through PG, which was on sale. So I'm drinking that. Don't know what that means. And then he says uh, f for days off. Um, and then he says he does a four minute steep, two squirts of honey, splash of whole milk, stir and repeat. Now that sounds like an extremely good tea experience if you're doing that in the morning and it also sounds very thought out and methodical and i would not be surprised if this dude is um you know plotting something or is writing manifestos or okay we're gonna keep it positive so i'll stop there but nah this guy's got some red flags but <laughs> but uh <laughs> the the cool thing about this post and the reason why i wanted to share it was that it was uh really um it, again simple but has so much to say about our daily lives and like how much thought we put into certain things like i remember my life early on especially in college right you're not really paying attention to what you're eating for breakfast or like your morning routine you're just jumping up you got to go to class or whatever and you're just sprinting you're getting there maybe you grab some starbucks or some shit that was on campus and you're just moving you're getting it you know you, you got to get to class um and then as i got older you know i started to have of course more time because you've got a set schedule you know eight o'clock nine o'clock usually when you know work starts so uh you know you got some time in the morning to kind of get yourself together and do some things for me i i mean to this day i'll stay in bed right up until the last second and just like jump up you know i work remotely so i just turn on the laptop and you know get started on whatever i'm doing but those few times that I do actually kind of commit to a, a ritual of some kind, it does show a real difference throughout the day. Like if I make coffee that I know, a specific kind of coffee that I like, like I'm, a, I'm not big on sweet stuff and sweet coffees. I'm definitely a uh, black coffee guy, especially in the morning. But um, what I really like if I'm trying to like do a ritual thing, if I'm trying to treat myself, I'll get a venti latte from Starbucks with one extra squirt of uh, espresso. So I'm buzzing, right? Like that's that's a lethal, that's kind of a lethal cocktail. But that for me, if I'm really trying to have like a productive morning, I hit that off. Um, usually I'll have something like a, you know, bacon, egg and cheese sandwich, you know, which then I got to really guzzle down the, the espresso so that I don't fall back asleep because I just ate a bunch of bread and cheese and shit. But um, those were kind of my favorite rituals. But I wonder if I'd ever gotten like real serious with it like this poster did where, you know, he's finding a very specific kind of tea. He's steeping it and learning, you know, and I'm sure every British person probably, you know, knows how to make tea like that. Or, you know, people who are really into tea, uh, this probably doesn't, uh, you know, impress them but for me this was impressive that you know he he said he had to steep it four times you know and he had a specific amount of honey that he'd 
put into it. You know, it sounded like he'd really mastered this craft of this perfect morning drink. And that, I'm envious of that. I need to know what my perfect morning drink is, you know. And I think for y'all listening, it it could open some doors of, of some real productivity, you know, when you wake up and you got something that you know you love making and you can't wait to wake up to make it because you know once you hit that, once you drink it, it's going to really enhance your day or at least it's going to enhance your morning and it's going to set you off on the right foot. I mean, that's that's like invaluable, right? Like that's knowing that can can make you so productive, It, it it's scary, right? If you're somebody that has really mastered the art of waking up and getting a routine started, um, I don't want to sound like Jocko Willenick here, so I'm going to stop with the routine shit uh, and just move on to my general thoughts about like breakfast and waking up and all that shit. In a past life, like I said, I was definitely not somebody that gave a shit about waking up. Like I would wake up on time. I'd get to everything I was doing all the time, on time or early. I was never late. I was never, you know, showing up looking crazy, even though I was doing crazy shit. Um, however, I never really set up like a good, you know, some some people that I fucking hate can do like yoga in the morning and breathing exercises and shit like that. Like I, I was I was always I always wanted to be that guy that could like really master that and really just be able to have something that I do every time when I wake up like automatically without even thinking about it just give myself like 30 to 50 to 30 minutes where I just do something first thing in the morning man I mean how that would set me up it'd be fucking crazy I I I really got to invest in that and I hope uh some of y'all listening can can understand the importance of it and try to you know do that uh yourself as well but yeah I just thought that was a cool post so I'm gonna move on all right, in this section, I'm going to do uh, just a quick little movie review because it's going to be the holidays, and I'm sure everybody is looking for something to watch. And, uh, you know, after eating all that Thanksgiving food, you're either watching sports or you're, you know, just kind of taking some time to sit on the couch and, you know, digest all that fucking food you just ate. Um, so I got a couple of my best movie reviews for the Thanksgiving season, and I'm going to be going over each one and why they're absolutely lit and why you should watch it specifically for Thanksgiving. So, number one, there's a film that came out called Jungle Land. This movie came out, I believe, in 2018. Um, It was with um a few people that were that are somewhat uh famous uh the guy from uh sons of anarchy was one of the main characters i believe uh the gentleman's name is uh charlie hunt or charles hunnam um and it was directed by max winkler um just to read straight off the wikipedia uh two brothers uh, a talented performer, professional boxer, and his brother Stanley Kaminsky, an ex-con and Lions idealistic manager, work menial jobs in a sewing factory. At night, they prepare for the 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 pair prepare in underground boxing matches, squatting in a dilapidated house in the slums of Fall River, Massachusetts, with their greyhound Ash. Stanley owes two thousand dollars to a local gangster called Pepper. And in order to pay it off, Pepper allows the money to ride online for the next week for their next week fight. During the fight, Pepper shows up, 
to watch, and Lion realizes that Stanley bet on him to win. Lion angrily throws the fight, and enraged Pepper beats Stanley, but sees the potential in Lion due to his skill. He proposes that they pay off the debt by completing a task. They want to, Pepper wants them to drive a girl named Sky to Reno, Nevada, and pay off their debt by having Lion compete in an underground prize fight called Jungle Land in San Francisco's Chinatown. Having no choice, Stanley agrees, and Pepper provides him with cash, an SUV, and a pistol. Along the way, they stop at a bar where Sky befriends Lion, while Stanley ha has sex with a woman that they met in their hotel. Sky manages a distraction and drugs Lion with a Xanax to steal their car keys before escaping. She accidentally crashes the SUV and tries to run before Stanley catches up to her. Looking in their hotel room, he calls Pepper and demands answers. He's enraged to find out that Sky is being delivered to a dangerous gangster called Yates, who Stanley has had dealings with in the past. Now I'll stop there. This film for me was one of the best like low budget, very quiet release films that I've seen in a very long time. I believe it was released in 2019. I caught up to it in 2020. Uh, I was completely blown away by how simply beautiful the production was. Uh, the story of these two brothers having to look out for each other, both of them imperfect in their own ways. The sort of looming threat of both the gangster that they owe money to and this shady sort of uh, otherworldly character, and I don't want to spoil it, named Yates, who they're supposed to deliver this girl to. Um, the, the cinematography is absolutely wonderful. Uh, I mean, you, it's a road movie, essentially. They're driving from Fall River, Massachusetts, all the way to San Francisco. So you get these great shots and these great moments of them moving around the country and experiencing different things. And they're this, like, you know, very uh, not suited for a regular society kind of group of three people that really shouldn't be together aside from the two brothers. Um, they have no business with the girl Sky, and she kind of has to be along with them. And then they got this little greyhound dog that they're bring that they uh, that they bring around with them. But it's this really heartfelt film that I got so much emotion out of, and, and in a good way. Like it was a very triumphant movie when you see these two brothers really just fighting tooth and nail to get out of the circumstance that they're in, and uh, you know, kind of for for as uh, excuse, sorry about that, guys. Um, but for as unequipped uh, they are for so much of real life, they're at least able to protect one another. And there's this real beauty in that bond that really shines throughout the movie. And uh, it leaves you with a good feeling. And that's kind of why I wanted to share it, because it's not one of those movies that, although it does deal with a lot of sad content, it's got this great triumphant ending that really makes you love both the brother and uh um and sky as well um the the female character uh who i believe was played by the british actress who was in that netflix show oh shit i'm gonna go crazy if i don't say what what show she was in it's jessica barden she was in the show all right television just give me a give me a second guys give me a second Come on, come on, come on. Where was she? 
where was she where was she she was in the lobster if you saw that she was in hannah back in 2011 but there was a very specific tv show that netflix the there it is netflix had produced called the end of the fucking world if you remember that show uh the end of the fucking world it's the girl from that show is in jungle land so if you liked her performance in the end of the fucking world then you'll love her performance in jungle land because she does a great job uh kind of carrying her weight and her emotional weight throughout the film so i would highly recommend it and again i cannot stress the cinematography is beautiful absolutely beautiful from beginning to end it's so uh, uh emotional and the and atmospheric and um and brings you into the film with such warmth and and grace that I mean, Max Winkler, the director, I'm uh, absolutely uh, a huge fan of now. So he's got me. Um, so that's my first recommendation. Um, my second one is coming up next. All right, y'all. Next film, A Late Quartet. This film came out in 2012. I believe it may be on some Netflix. If you guys have vpns and if a vpn company wants to sponsor this podcast hit me up because this is you know me trying to help people get vpns so you can watch you know different versions of netflix um i believe this is on some version of netflix if not it's definitely on amazon prime uh a late quartet was uh i mean a star-studded cast you had philip seymour hoffman kathleen katherine keener you had christopher walken um, and then uh, there were a few other minor actors, Megan Poots and people such as that, that were, I mean, did phenomenal jobs. And what the film is basically about is, uh, here's the plot straight off the Wikipedia once again. As the Fugue String Quartet approaches its 25th anniversary, the onset of a debilitating illness to cellist Peter Mitchell and that's played by Christopher Walken, forces its members to reevaluate their relationships. After being diagnosed with Parkinson's disease, Peter announces his decision to play one final concert before he retires. Meanwhile, the second violinist, Robert, played by Philip Seymour Hoffman, voices his desire to alternate to the first violinist role, being long held by Daniel, played by Mark, Mark Evanier, excuse me, uh, Robert is married to Juliet, Catherine Keener, the viola player of the group, and upon discovering Juliet does not support him in this matter of wanting to move up a chair, Robert has a one-night stand. He literally goes out and he cheats. Um, and further complicating matters, their daughter, Alexandra, begins in an affair with Daniel, the uh, uh, first chair or the first chair violinist. Uh, who her mother had uh, once uh, had a, you know, kind of crush on. So I'm going to leave it there. There's a lot more that happens in the film. I know when you guys are listening to me talk, you're like, oh, you're spoiling the whole movie. What I'm trying to do is get you guys interested in it without being overly, uh, you know, vague, because these films are very, you know, they're complex. They they uh, invoke certain emotions at different periods of the film. And I think it's important to at least lay down some kind of, stru you know, structural groundwork as to what the film is doing 
uh, before I actually talk about why you should watch it. Um, so that's why I kind of tell you some plot points and some things because I kind of want you to understand what kind of movie you're walking into rather than just saying it's good, it's got great performances, and you know, then just going on and on about what I liked about it. I think you guys deserve to know what it's about before I tell you why you should watch it. And then you should know for, to a good extent what it's about. Um, so if those are spoilers, I am sorry, but I think the film is much bigger than what I just described. So I'm going to just go ahead and say this is sort of my style of telling you about movies and then giving you reasons why I want to, I want to watch it, but I want you to watch it. Excuse me. Um, but, uh, this for me was, I mean, I'm one of the biggest Philip Seymour Hoffman fans you can find. I used to do a, uh, film podcast many years ago and I've talked film to death, literally to death. I mean, I've talked it so much throughout my life. I've written about film critically, uh, in New Orleans. Um, I definitely have taken a lot of time out of my life to study and analyze films and filmmaking. And one thing I can say about a movie is that if it's not human in the way that it shows our faults and it shows our uh, sort of imperfection in its presentation of its characters, then it's probably not going to connect in the way that a film should. I think a film has almost a uh, uh, an imperative to give you characters that are uh, visibly imperfect or visibly kind of flawed for you to be able to really get into the film and, and identify with it. Uh, and this movie is filled with flawed characters. I mean, these are people who've been a part of a string quartet. Or a, uh, yeah, uh, that's what it is. It's a string quartet um, that has been playing for 25 years. So they're very intimately understand, you know, uh, close to each other. They know each other's families. There's all these, you know, affairs and things that are going on. And it really shows how when artists come together and they, you know, create something beautiful, although that's the result of their, uh, you know, sort of con congregation and collaboration, their interpersonal experiences with one another can be absolute disasters. And I think there's something almost, it's so, uh, it's, it's something beautiful about that, that like our art can transcend our own petty bullshit that we involve ourselves in and the stupid things that we do to each other that these people who um you know in the film and throughout the course of the film really just you know do not cool shit to one another they're still able to get together sit down and play beautiful music and uh it's kind of this testament to you know kind of art being the highest form of human human expression and um, the 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 best way in which we can harmonize and uh, sort of, I guess, I guess the word would be uh, kind of synthesize. Um, I, I say I would I would use that word. It's sort of the synthesis of other human thought patterns and sort of if you want to get spiritual kind of energies that can come together and then create this thing bigger than itself. And this film is really a testament to that. It was directed by Yaron uh, Zilberman. Um, I don't know any more of his films. Maybe I've seen them, but 
Um, I would say uh, maybe check out some of his other filmography if you do like this one. But uh, that was my review and my recommendation uh, for uh, a late quartet. All right, last recommendation for you guys here for the uh, Thanksgiving kind of movie watching uh, time is The Harder They Fall, 2021. This is a Netflix original film. Uh, it was um, a revisionist Western film directed by, I believe the, it would be pronounced Jamie, Jamie's Samuel, who co-wrote the screenplay with uh, Boyaz Yakin. The film stars Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Regina King, Delroy Lindo, Lakeith Stanfield, C.J. Tyler, Danielle uh, Deadweiler, uh, then you got Edie Cathberg and Dion Cole. It is one of the few Western films whose principal cast members are all black. Although the fictional film exists, you know, although the film is fictional, its characters are based on real cowboys, real lawmen, and, outlaw and outlaws of the 19th century American West. Uh, the Heart of They Fall had its world premiere at BFI London. Uh, this was in 2021. And I don't even want to get into the plot, even though I just sat there and talked to you guys about how much I like talking about plot. Uh, or not like talking about plot, but at least giving you more than what you typically would hear. Uh, just to kind of get you roped in onto the film. Uh, because that's all you need to hear. Uh, this film is a smash, bang, hit movie literally one of the best movies back excuse me best action movies i have seen in the last five years uh it's incredibly unique well acted you've got great scenes great action sequences throughout the entire movie i mean it's really wall-to-wall -wall action which is hard to do and still be a good movie um it's completely devoid of any of that kind of you know, we're black and it's the South and we're uh, struggling and the, the none of that. We're it's this is about the real black cowboys of that time who did exist, who have not really been covered in American cinema and in American popular culture until recently. Um, you've got people like Bass Reeves, who are depicted in the film, who was the first black lawman uh, who uh, was incredibly popular amongst his uh, population of uh, white, you know, white people that he was uh, the sheriff uh, for. And, uh, you know, these guys were, uh, you know, of course, on the other side, you have these bandits and these, you know, outlaws who were black, who were very much these kind of not stereotypical in a bad way, but the archetype for what you think of when you think of, you know, the cowboy culture and the outlaw style of the frontier era, it really puts uh, black people uh, in that world and puts them in it in such a realistic and such a uh, truly uh, authentic way that it makes the film just pop at every level and you can't believe what you're watching because it's so well stylized you know you got your moments where you you know where it could have been better they didn't have to make it all that but for the most part the movie rides the line well and I'm about to say something that people are not gonna like to hear and if I was saying this to myself five years ago, I would not I would not agree with myself. I would say this guy does not know shit about movies. I'm telling you guys, I've been I've worked in the film industry. I know tons about movies. Here's the shit. Here you go. You ready? 
this movie is better than all of Tarantino's black westerns, all of them. It's better. The reason why it's better is because it's told through a black lens and it's authentic. It's not a uh, caricaturized, although Tarantino's caricatures are entertaining and they're well thought out and they're extremely well crafted and he's, an, he's a master writer and filmmaker, they're still at the end of the day caricatures. They're not real people. This film dove into something that I've been wanting to see for a very long time, which is the depiction historically of black people that were straight up badasses in the same way that we have all of these white action heroes and white, you know, uh, badass uh, historical heroes. We've got tons of black ones and I'd love to see them be depicted more in films and we make more films about them. Uh, I think this movie was a, I mean, really a, not just a step, like a like a sprint in the right direction because it really laid down something that was uh, indisputably good. Anybody who will watch this film will tell you it is just a good fucking movie, and it's not it's not complicated. There ain't no crazy. I mean, there's stuff that happens that's there's cool twists and stuff, but it's not that hard to get you don't have to be a you know uh uh you know black rim glasses uh npr listening film buff to understand why this is a good movie for real for real it's it's i mean it's a just a, a kind of a dumb action movie and i mean dumb in a good way like it's just letting you go for a fun really really unique ride so i would say put this one actually at the top of your list the other ones i would say you know, kind of watches the day winds down. I really think that films can be like wines, you know, like there's like kind of a specific, you know, dish and, and time period, you know, that you want to watch the, the movie. Uh, that's kind of how I look at it. Like it's there's got to be the right circumstances for certain films to affect you in the way that they're intended to. So I would say if you're, you know, you're looking for something exciting to start, work with, you know, the harder they fall. And then if you're looking for something that is a real exploration into the kind of interpersonal lives and human intrigue of, uh, you know, very uh, talented and interesting people, there goes a late quartet. And then if you want something that's a little bit more gritty, a little bit more real life, but has a really positive, beautiful message at the end of it, then there you go for Jungle Land. So I think you're set up. That's three good movies. That's a lot of time. That'll put you right to sleep, you know. Um, after eating, you know, however many servings of Thanksgiving dinner you're about to eat. Um, and, you know, I hope, I hope, you know, that you have that uh, luxury of being able to have good Thanksgiving dinner. You know, I really do hope anybody listening to this um, who needs, you know, assistance in, in finding uh, Thanksgiving uh, food or a place to sell, you know, to celebrate Thanksgiving or at least have a meal uh, know that there are, you know, tons of uh, public and private nonprofit organizations that uh, will help you, you know, uh, if you're somebody that's, you know, just doesn't really have the, you know, either family support or resources to, uh, you know, have a, a bountiful Thanksgiving. 
Uh, I know um, there are so many different resources that you can look into. Just check them out online. I know if you're somebody that's struggling with addiction or if you're struggling, if you're somebody that doesn't want to drink alcohol or things like that, you can always go to an AA club. They have Thanksgiving dinners for people that are exactly like that. There's nothing weird about it. It's just a place where people have some good Thanksgiving food and you can sit there and eat it and, you know, take some home with you. And, you know, get on Netflix if you if you, you know, manage to if you if you happen to have it and watch these movies. Um, that's that's what I hope for you guys for this Thanksgiving. Uh, but um, I want to do one last thing and then I'm going to let you all go. Uh, so this has been for me uh, my attempt at a positive uh, holiday podcast. So I hope you've been enjoying it so far. So what are we really looking for this Thanksgiving? What what would make it? you know, a, a really good demarcation or at least kind of watermark for us as, as individuals to say, okay, I'm headed in the right direction. Um, how can we use Thanksgiving as a way for us to do that, to, to confirm that about ourselves? I've been thinking about that a lot. You know, what, what's the, what's the next right thing I can do, uh, during this Thanksgiving time to make sure that I'm, you know, growing as an individual and becoming a better person and, you know, kind of growing up, you know, uh, as a kid, you know, you kind of expect everything for Thanksgiving to kind of just be done for you. And, you know, as you get older, you have your own Thanksgivings, all that stuff. You know, right now I, I came back home for Thanksgiving and I'm really trying to make sure that I can try to help out as much as I can with cooking and preparation and things like that, just to show myself and you know um to help my own uh mental process of being able to look back and say okay i'm doing more this year than i was last year in terms of positive things or in terms of things that help other people uh so you know it's a it, it's a nice thing to say and you know i it sounds like i'm talking the talk but this year, I'm really going to try to walk the walk, guys. And I'm going to, of course, give you guys some feedback on how that felt and, you know, what were, what were some of the best ways I learned to give back during this season. But, you know, I want to start being able to uh, do those kinds of things almost automatically, you know. But it starts with this, with these conscious decisions that, hey, this year, instead of just being, you know, there for the food, I'm going to try to help out so that I can, you know, really add something when I could just either be neutral or in the worst case, taking away, you know, from something that should be as good as it could possibly be. So I want to choose, you know, uh, as as consciously as I can to do the, you know, the thing that uh, helps everybody, you know, around me uh, and um, makes me feel like I, I did something that is contributing to my growth. Uh, excuse me, I, I keep uh, belching during this interview. I had that problem with all my other podcasts. If anybody ever listens to any of my old podcasts, I'm always belching. I think I have serious, uh, uh, what's it called? Oh, whatever, um, that shit in your stomach, you know, that where, uh, where you get acid reflux that's what it is i think i just have fucking crazy ass acid reflux i gotta deal with that shit but no getting back to um what what we want out of this thanksgiving man man I, I, like i said this is not a political podcast you will never hear me talk any type of no politics on here but what i will say is 
this is a crazy motherfucking time. And if I'm not bringing that up, and if I'm not saying that, and if I'm not uh, acknowledging that, then I'm do then uh, th- this podcast makes no sense to listen to. So I have to 100 uh, percent acknowledge that we are right now in a in, in a thresher of events and bad bad things happening and things we don't understand happening and just so much happening in the world that um you know you could drown just by you know happen happening to you know want to want to learn even a little bit about it you could slip right into a a rabbit hole so easily nowadays so what i want to say about that is this thanksgiving i think what what better gift can we give to each other than just communal peace you know staying away from all that and staying turning turning the fucking tv off you know like really like no ads no no uh uh you know, of course, watch movies on Netflix and shit. I mean, turn off the news. I should be specific. My bad. Turn off the news. Keep the TV on. Keep keep the streaming on. Keep, you know, the good content flowing in. Keep the good music playing on YouTube while you're cooking and all that shit. But in terms of keeping up with the news right now, and this sounds selfish because there's so much going on that, you know, as citizens, we feel like we should be uh, responsible enough to educate ourselves about I, I got a I got a different opinion this year. I think we went through a lot last year and we all owe it to ourselves this year to really just tune all of that shit out. All of that. No more like no more uh keeping up with, you know, the state of bad shit for the next 48 hours. You know what I'm saying? It it really doesn't need to be anything that's even conscious. You just find other things to look at and you know you just keep it at that if you're somebody that's going to have a big thanksgiving and you got a lot of family coming and you got a lot of you know people who have a lot of differing opinions you know my best advice to you is to just sit back you know let people do what they're going to do if it derails things it's unfortunate but as long as you don't add flame to the fire you know you did the best you could to keep the peace and that's really what i think we can we can control here is you know keeping ourselves peaceful uh even if you know our families or our our situations in this time may not be peaceful i think there is a way where we can really uh make a declarative statement within our minds that like nah for these 48 hours i'm really just going to be on my like peace shit like i'm really going to be on my i i want to talk about positive things be on you know watching positive content and i just i want to give myself a a self-care 48 hours where i'm just steeped in good feelings and good things and just see how you feel at the end of the weekend man i bet you i'll bet you that you'll say god damn i i'm doing this like once a month you know what i'm saying so it really is uh it really is something that I think we should all experiment with this year is just keeping the peace within ourselves and hoping that it radiates out to other people so that we can all have a good time. And I think that's what this means is uh, being the first person to step up and declare peace, you know, and practice it, you know, and and be uh, as as much of an ex- of an example 
to the people around you as you can be. You know, the people who, who might be watching or, li or, or listening to you, you know, when you're around them, you know, especially family members, you might, you might have little cousins or you might have, you know, little nephews and nieces and people like that, that, you know, they're watching how you conduct yourself, you know, like, are you going to come in there raging, talking about, you know, Kyle Rittenhouse and shit and all that, or are you going to come in and are you, and are you talking about the, the bomb ass mac and cheese you made and how, how dope that is and how happy you are to see everybody and how much, you know, you've missed everyone, you know? Like, this is the time for that, man. Like, all that other all that other stuff that's happening right now, it'll be there when we get back. We don't got to worry about it. They will make sure that, that all that negative, crazy-ass shit is, is, is right there waiting for us when we get back from this holiday. But one thing I want to stress to everybody listening is use this holiday. Use it to your best ability to, to create peace within yourself. Uh, I want to say... Uh, for the record, I'm not minimizing any of the things that have been happening because there have been some terrible, terrible things that I don't even want to mention on the podcast because, once again, like I said, we're keeping this one 100%, you know, like just good vibes only. But, you know, I don't want to say that I'm minimizing these things, that you should ignore them and that you should, you know, oh, you know, say whatever. I don't give a, I don't care about this stuff. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is... You should take these two days for your own self-care, your own self-maintenance, and make sure that when you do get back into uh, engaging with that content or, 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 or plugging into that frequency, that you're of better sound, a better mind, and uh, better, you know, uh, spirits. So that's all I'm saying, you know. So I, I just hope everybody here can really relate to this this kind of call to action that I'm I'm giving out here right now because that's really what it is. I just I just I hope if anybody listens to this that this rubs off on them and that they feel like okay, I'm going to commit to having a good good time with the people that I love. And if you're not with your family, you know, if you're with your friends and stuff like, you know, yeah, like that's that's even you know, that can sometimes be even better for a lot of people. Like, you know, keep keep it try to impress each other by how much love you bring to this thanksgiving that's that's the real uh call to action is is really try to flex by how much love you can bring how much goodness you can bring how much uh how many smiles you can put on people's faces by getting good food or picking good movie recommendations or picking good activities you know uh do that you know what I'm saying? So that's for me, I think, where I want to stop. Uh, I really appreciate everybody that's been listening to this so far. We're going to be rolling out some more promotional content pretty soon. I did want to say to everybody that um, has been had listened to the uh, episode uh, last uh, last week with Jasper, the second part of that episode will be released soon. I think I'll release it within this week. Uh, just to give you guys some extra content. And I know that one was a little bit choppy and it was kind of out of place, but we'll get to why that's important. And in, in the second part um, of the podcast, you'll see why I, I interviewed him uh, because he gets into some things that I think we can all learn from. 
But uh, yeah, that's what I got for you guys this week. And I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode. This is probably going to be one of the lighter episodes you guys are ever going to get. Maybe I'll make it a holiday tradition to, you know, keep Thanksgiving uh, and maybe a Christmas episode. Like, nah, nah, Christmas, we're going to do some, we're going to do some dark shit on Christmas. I'm going to tell some scary stories on Christmas. Fuck that. But, but this particular holiday, we're going to have a good time. Uh, So with that, I bid you guys adieu. Uh, and uh, have a good one. Love y'all.